0: Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, I am excited to let you all know that we're finishing up a sermon series that we've started a while ago called Bridge Builders, as you can see on the screen. And It's the the fourth installment in this series, and the New Testament is rich in telling us about conflicts between two particular groups, one being the Jews and the other one being the Gentiles. Don't get me wrong. I know there's Samaritans and there was conflict there, but these two were always really the front and center, and they were always showing us about conflicts. How many know the Old Testament's got lots of conflict in that? Some of those stories are really bad. How many know that conflict is just part of the human element because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Anybody here not have conflict your whole life? Anybody? I'm not raising my hand. I'm just using, for example, anybody. You have no conflict. Is there anybody here who has never had a disagreement with your spouse? Anybody? Anybody? And Dave raises his hand. And he has a shirt that's pink, and it says "Yes, dear." So we know how that works. So the truth is, conflict, when it comes, it causes a divide. It causes it to be a chasm that there's this group over here that does not agree with this group over here and this big chasm this big void separates those two and never the two shall meet and there causes there to be a problem have you ever had that even in your own life where you were of this mindset and the other one maybe somebody you loved and cared about or maybe in the workplace or maybe even in politics or sports, I don't understand. How can you not be a Niner fan? Come on! <laughs> and all the Rams fans go boo. You see, it doesn't take much to cause a conflict. It really doesn't. But it takes intestinal fortitude for there to be unity. You know why unity is hard? Because I have to forfeit what I think about this and say it's not that big of a deal because it's a big deal to him. Why? So that we can be in unity. I'm going to let go of my little, you know, personal things that are important to me and say, wait a minute, they're not important to me. Why? Because only he's important. I'm going to let go of my pride so that I can build a bridge and there could be the power of unity now i want to say welcome church because this is exciting about what we're going to do in in looking at this but i also want to welcome those who are listening to us via podcast and say we're glad that you've joined us we want you to know that we hope that this message will help you take your next step closer to jesus and then we could do all do that together So let's look at this. With so much conflict and division in our world, both in a a national, even a global sense, or even statewide or local community or neighborhood, but it's also even individually, that there's conflict. So with that understanding, lives that used to experience peace and unity, it just seems to be lost now. See, the truth is, unity, harmony, and peace, they are true trademarks of the kingdom of God. And these trademarks, the idea of peace and harmony and and, and unity, they're powerful. They are powerful. Have you ever seen a sports team that when they're all unified together, they don't care who gets the credit, they're going to win. They're going to win they'll find a way to make it happen. Have you ever seen a church that's unified for the cause of Christ? Not about a person. Not about them. Not about they. About Jesus. He's the center of it all. When that church gets unified like that, it becomes powerful. You see revival. You see what God wants to do and it happens. It's almost effortless. Because that's the miracle of unity, of peace, of harmony. It's powerful. It was during World War II Hitler had commanded that all the religious groups to unite so that they could control them all. And among the brethren that were in the, in the brethren assemblies, half of those religious institutions, organizations, agreed and followed and the other half didn't. The ones who agreed and followed Hitler's commands, well, everything was easy for them. And the ones that said, no, this is not of God and we do not submit, it was hard for them. And they suffered dearly because of it. When the war was over, the feelings between these two different groups, well there was tremendous bitterness towards those who bowed the knee to Hitler. Finally, the leaders of both these groups say we we got to resolve this. We're going to destroy anything for the cause of Christ if we don't resolve this. They actually went away for a retreat And without anybody like news or anything of of media around, they just individually got away and started praying. They started worshiping. And then they finally all got back together and things were different. His name is Francis Schaeffer, who, who told of the incident, who asked a friend who was actually there at this retreat, what did what did you do then? He says, "Well, we were just one." What? As they confessed their hostility and their bitterness to God, and they began, they yielded to the Holy Spirit's control, the Holy Spirit created a spirit of unity among them. And love just filled their hearts. And it just completely dissolved their hatred from those who said no to the ones who said yes. It wasn't that what they did was right. and It wasn't that their bitterness was, was acceptable. It was that they said, He's more important than my will and my way. And they came together and they came together you see when love prevails especially in times when there's strong disagreements it presents to the world an indisputable mark of true followers of jesus christ when we come together and we break down the barriers and we show love and we reconcile with each other we actually become united Maybe you heard me say this before. Unity, harmony, and peace are trademarks of the Kingdom of God. And these trademarks are powerful. As we've talked about this before, it's necessary as bridge builders to actually take action. And this week, the action that we're going to take, we're going to get it from the book of Ephesians where Paul is passionately discussing the division between the Jews and the Gentiles. And the reconciling work that Christ did on the cross to actually bring harmony to these two groups. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll start at verse 11. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Begin. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Well, Paul is clear in this portion of Scripture that this is the hopeless condition of the heathen living. Now, before coming to Christ, Gentiles were in a very desperate place. They were aliens, they were strangers, having no hope and and literally being without God. And this shows that they were not only spiritually dead, but they also did not have the access to God that the Jews had enjoyed. But then all of a sudden, they began to receive the reality of the cross. And they started bowing their knee to Jesus. They believed in the resurrection. And all of a sudden, they were experiencing the glories of God. They were getting filled. They were being used by God. And you can see the tension, because I'm a Jew, and Abraham and Moses, come on, my my daddy and great daddy, and all we have history. And yet, they seem to have the special stuff that these other ones didn't. And so they were saying, look at us. And then this group saying, look at us. I bet if I was to ask, you could probably give me one or two groups that this group doesn't like this group. Right now, it seems like in all of America, it's always the groups against the groups. The young against the old, the old against the the young. Of this color against that color. What do you think's really going on? Let me tell you something. It's not about the groups and their division. It's that the division is more important. You see, the enemy of our souls, as long as we're divided, we have no power of the cross flowing through us. We can't be about our master's commission to do what? Go into all the world and share the good news. Why? Because we're too busy. Well, you can't talk like that. You're supposed to say it this way. What do you mean? Oh, you can't do that. How dare you? And we're just too busy bickering. Well, I'm not giving up what I stand, well, I'm not giving up what, and it's just never ending. And who's over there laughing? Oh, I remember as a kid, maybe you remember this, you know that one kid who seemed to always be in the shadows, and he's the one who would be whispering in this kid's ear, and before you know it, these two kids will show up on, 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 the, on the res- after the recess bell, and they're going to be out in the play yard, and they're just going to be throwing blows. And this guy who started it all, making things up, he's in the shadows <laughs> with his sinister laugh. He's doing the same thing to us right now. The answer is Jesus. He's bigger than any sin in this world, and any sin in my life, and any sin in your life. And if we put him first, these divisions can be dealt with like that. Otherwise, he's laughing. He's got you to hit him, he got you to hit him. And all we have is uselessness because we're not effective. Might as well burn the church down. has no power. But when the church is united, the power of God through the Holy Spirit flows through us. And before you know it, somebody gets saved. And before you know it, their family gets saved. And before you know it, everybody on that street gets saved. Because we're united for the cause of Christ. But how does that happen? Well, somebody's got to get rid of this guy. So that Butch and Buster can build a bridge and before you know it, they're riding on down the road on their bikes to go have some fun. That's what God wants. See, we're called to be ministers of reconciliation. We're to be facilitators of divine exchange in that. Let's look real quick at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. It reads, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. I want you to catch this. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. That means Marvin was born a sinner. I am a sinner and I am saved by the blood of Jesus. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, He paid for my sins. Now, I could use your name instead of my name. It's the same thing. But because of that, I am now reconciled to the Lord. Now, He's also saying that just as Jesus reconciled me to the Father, He's saying now I have to do like He does and reconcile people. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to Him. We're supposed to go out and say, hey, can I share with you, i got this incredible story about somebody who really loves you. And I'm going to share this good news with you. And before you know it, he gets reconciled to Christ because I just shared the story that impacted my life and I shared it with him. Now what does he have to do? Yeah, you get it. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. As we look to bridge building, we must look to Christ as our example when we begin the process of reconciling. Folks, we have the blueprints. We know that's the Word of God, the plans and the tools. Now we recognize that in Christ, as we just read in Corinthians, we have this incredible gift of reconciliation. We're called to be ministers of reconciliation. Let me share the story with you. In one of the most powerful stories of reconciliation I've ever heard, it involves Corey Tinboom when she meets her concentration camp prison guard after she gave a talk that she had given on forgiveness. Now, Corrie Tinboom's family were not Jews, but they were hiding Jews in their home from the Germans, from the Nazis. Well, they got caught. And they all got arrested as a family and were sent to, concentra- to the concentration camp. And At that concentration camp was a particular guard. Now all of these years later, she gives this talk about her experience during that whole World War II and how she was in the concentration camps and her family and everything else. And she talked about forgiving. And at the end of that message, up came a man who was German. Was actually one of the prison guards at her camp. He knew her and she knew him. And he came and he stuck out his hand. And Corey Tin Boone reaches out her, her hand to accept his as he was asking for forgiveness. And this is how she describes reaching out to grab this guard, former guard's hand. I quote, And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into one stretched out to me. As I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and it raced down my arm. It sprang into our joined hands And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart." It comes from the guidepost.org, the classics, Corey Broom, when she talked on forgiveness. A concentration camp survivor being reconciled to her Nazi guard. That is incredible. Only in and through the power of the Holy Spirit can something like this happen. See, God's work of reconciliation is not only between single persons although that's probably most of how it happens it's also between groups of people that are at odds such as the jews and the gentiles and and you can figure out it's not hard to think how many more groups there are out there right now the list is limitless right now but reconciliation is powerful And its power is rooted in Christ. Just as the Jews and the Gentiles became one because of Christ and in Christ, we too can take the tools and the blueprints we've been discussing to break any barrier we face in order to build a bridge that will close the gap of relationships. Let's continue in the book of Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 through 18. I'll read it. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. Did you catch that? When in His own body on the cross, He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and its regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in Himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of His death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought His good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from Him. And peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. Because of what Christ has done for us. See, in the Old Testament, it was very unique in that... It was an exclusive group that were considered God's people. And so, if you were, you were Jews, it was, you know, okay, one tribe, two tribe, all the way to 12 tribes. But it got smaller and smaller. It was very exclusive. Did you see how that goes? But Jesus turns around and He says, no, 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 no. Because of the blood of the cross, because of the resurrection, all of a sudden He starts at the center, Jesus at the center, and it, all of a sudden it's going outwards. To the Gentile, to the Samaritan, to the people in America, to the people, in, you name it, it doesn't matter. For God so love the uh, Do you see the difference? It went from just one people, one nation, to anything and everything on the world. From all time. That's what Jesus did what does it mean everybody's welcome to the table do we have enough there's always enough at his table watch hey who's got the little boy's lunch not a problem everybody's welcome so paul gives us this beautiful ending in our reading this morning when barriers are broken There is a level of peace and unity unlike anything else. And many people suggest different ways to draw near to God. Some think you can draw near by keeping the law or by belonging to a group such as Jerusalem or Israel or even the body of Christ, this particular church. But the only way to be brought near to God is through the blood of Christ. What Jesus did on the cross, though being innocent and being sinless, Jesus suffered as though guilty for all of us who are really, truly guilty sinners. Which literally unites us sinners to Christ clean. My heart is now white as snow. So is yours if you have pass Jesus into your heart. All because of Jesus. Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. Jesus has built a divine bridge that allows us because of the cross that I can cross from here my life of sin that separates me This chasm, and he literally, this cross member of the cross, allows me to walk right across the weight of Jesus into his paradise, into who he wants me to be. All because he's the bridge builder. The work of Jesus on the cross is the common ground of salvation for both those who called themselves Jews, and those who called themselves Gentiles. Jesus brought them both into unity. And He's the same one who will take all that is divided in this land and in this world and in your home and your place of vocation. He is the one that will bring unity, harmony, and power because of the love of Jesus. The wall of separation is gone because of the common lordship that is greater than the previous divisions of all these different groups. Once we've recognized Jesus is bigger than my issues, Jesus is bigger than all of my offenses, Jesus is bigger than everything I'm hurt and upset about, if I make Him first, Do you know He'll take care of all my hurts? Including my bitterness? You know, when I put Him first, He makes me happy. Do you know the world wants you to say, put me, myself, and I as the new holy trinity in the world? I didn't make or create anything. I'm not God. Why am I trying to make me, myself, and I the first of anything? But if I make Him, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, first. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, including happiness. In Romans chapter 12, verse 5, it says, So it is with Christ's body, we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Paul, in this writing, he's just trying to say, hey, listen up. I might have fingers and hands and arms and elbows and all these toes and knees and legs and all these different things, but the truth is it's just one body. Lots of different members and lots of different parts. And that's what he's trying to communicate here. We're all a little different. And that's okay, because God wants there to be diversity but not at the expense of unity. What does that mean? Well, some people like to wear an orange shirt. Somebody else likes to wear a 49 er shirt. Somebody else wants to wear purple or black or Hawaiian shirt. You know, we're not supposed to be unanimous in being only one thing. Why? He made us unique. Some people like jazz. Some people like country. Some people like this or that. Some people like Mexican food. Hallelujah. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? But what, what's the commonality? We all like food. We, we may like this kind of music uh, uh, for praise and worship. Somebody else likes this kind of praise. Guess what? We like to worship. See, we're, we're focusing on things that don't matter. We get stuck on style and, uh, and literally give up the substance of what God wants us to hear. Substance is always preeminent. Style is what causes fractions in the body of Christ. Be careful. I want it my way. That style will cause divisions. Me, myself, and I, that's where it comes from. Now, unity should never be prompted at the expense of individuality. And individuality should never diminish the church's essential unity in Christ. So here's Galatians 3, verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. Wow. We're looking at all these different books about that, and they've all been written by Paul. And Paul's saying, hey, there's no longer Jew or Gentile. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. As we break these barriers among each other, we become united in Christ. United in Christ. Reconciliation is the heartbeat of the kingdom. His name is A.W. Tozer, and he said, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same tuning fork, are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned. Not to each other, but to the same tuning fork. See, if each and every one of us in this room are all tuned to the frequency of God, To the frequency of christ to the frequency of the cross then automatically we're all automatically we're closer to each other we're immediately just closer to one another simply because we're tuned to the frequency of god did you catch that that's powerful no, no, no! I want to be tuned to this piano. No, I want that piano. No, this piano. And he said, "Hey, hey! Bring all the pianos over. Ding! Tune that piano to this one. To the tuning fork. To Jesus. If we're all tuned to the same Jesus, then we're all closer in tune to each other. Isn't that special?" I love that picture. Jesus is the bridge back to God and back to each other. He's our example. And He's given us the divine blueprints that we need to follow. However, in order to follow, we must be willing to take action. We must be willing to get out of our comfort zones and our routines in pursuit of forgiveness and healing. Like the father in the story of the prodigal son, may we run towards the opportunity of reconciliation. That papa saw his boy coming home after a long time. He didn't hesitate. He lifted up his garment and he ran to a moment of reconciliation to be had with the prodigal son who had done him wrong done him dirty. Humiliating by taking the family inheritance before he had even died. And somebody is reaching out to you for reconciliation. Do you run like that daddy did? Or do you run away from them? i don't want any part of it i'm, I'm here to say i'm sorry I'm, i thought i was wrong i shouldn't have done what. leave i don't want to talk to you how are we when we've been done dirty anybody here been done wrong i got my hand up for the rest of you it's hard when we're offended we don't want to let go of it we want to hold on to it Anybody know what I'm talking about? I resemble that remark. Healing is at the heart of the Father. Reconciliation is the ministry He's given us. And what can you do today to build a bridge? What can you do today to close the gap and decrease the chasms, the voids that separate you from others around you? it's going to take intentionality and it's going to take some grit and you might have to bite your tongue why because it's not about you but i was violated i was stolen from i was taken advantage of they lied about me they falsely accused nobody's taking any of that away but if I hold on to all those things, I'll never see the power of God take manifest in my life. Has God ever used you in a powerful way? If He hasn't been using you lately, I wonder what you might be holding on to. Because there's no unity, there's no harmony, there's no peace. Because Marvin's too busy holding on. I was done wrong. I deserve to hold on to this. They deserve to be treated like like manure for what they did. Believe me, when we start getting real with our emotions, this is hard. But when we're real to say, stop acting like you can be God. And when I let go of that, And I bow my knee to the king. And I confess your will, your way. You are Lord. It all changes. Now, here's a reality that you get a sermon like this, and some people say, is there a flip side of that coin? And here's the, the wonderful thing about Paul Paul's very practical. And he's very direct and he's very straightforward in a lot of things. He's a very very unique individual. Wrote at least half, if not more, than the New Testament. So all the scriptures we looked at are by, by the same guy named Paul the Apostle. But now he's going to tell us something that seems in contradiction to reconciliation. And he says this, And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. What about the ministry of reconciliation? Now he's telling us, stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy, Paul goes on to say. I want you to be wise in doing right and stay innocent of the wrong of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. He's saying be careful of the ones who are trying to cause division to avoid them. This is not okay. Now, it doesn't mean because, you know, Matthew 18, 15, it says, hey, we we got to deal with this. You, your, your brother offends you. You got to go to him one on one. Right. And then two on one and then bring him before the church. We, we know that. But in this situation where they're they, they want none of that, there, there is no I'm sorry, I've been wrong. I see my fault. and He's saying stay away now here's another thing that's pretty interesting it's not in your notes but you can write it down look up look it up later it's in romans chapter 12 verse 18 and paul says this this is the new king james verse paul says this if it is possible well if it is possible means that there's something that is impossible did you catch that because we use if it means the word possible could happen Or not happen. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. What? What is he trying to say? There are situations in life where people will not allow you to be able to reconcile with them. Why? Why is that so important? Because if reconciliation had to happen, then all of a sudden, those who would not want to do that, they would be violating their own free will. And God's not going to violate my or your free will. You get to choose to be obedient to the King or to be in rebellion to the King. You get to obey or not obey based on how your heart is. And because of that, sometimes reconciliation isn't possible. Now, forgiveness is always required. Well, what about that person who who violated that lady and and, and took away her uniqueness and and, and, and violated her, her sexually? There was rape. Does she have to? Well, she needs to forgive so she can move on, but it doesn't mean she ever has to interact. See the difference? That's really important to catch. There are things in life where I will forgive, but I may never ever socially interact with a person. Maybe somebody was brutal and they, and they physically hurt a spouse or a child. Should there be forgiveness? Yeah, there needs to be forgiveness. But there doesn't need to be interaction going forward. Now, could God do the most incredible miracle? Yeah, He could. But is that a requirement? No. The forgiveness part is. The forgiveness part is. Why? Because it releases me from that dark ugliness so that I can go forward in life for the King. If I don't, then I'm stuck on this side of the chasm in my indifference, in my hatred, in my ugliness. And all of a sudden, there's no peace or unity, or harmony, or power. But as I forgive, not saying the evil was okay, but I let it go because of the blood of the cross, it sets me free. And Lord, I give that to You to deal with. Then all of a sudden I can go forward for the cause of Christ. Folks, this is a heavy message in many ways because if you're here and you're going this stirs up something inside of me with this person or with that person in my life. Or maybe I'm angry at that group or that political group or idea and and I'm just disturbed. Maybe God's saying it's time to bridge build. Would you close your eyes as we begin to pray? Lord, I thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. Maybe there's folks here today that they know they need to build a bridge and they just don't know if they have the strength to do what needs to be done. They don't even know how to do it. So Lord, I would just pray for anybody and everybody that needs it, that they would come forward and say, can you pray with me? Don't need to know all the story. I just need prayer. And Lord, I pray for everybody here whose this message is stirring in their heart that, Lord, you would do your work inside of them today and that you would make Jesus the center of us all. Lord, we pray your will, we pray your way in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.